Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Well, as we know, Croydon gets a bad rap. In fact, it seems to be right up there with slough as a byword for undesirable suburban locales. With this in mind, I thought it was only fair to try and get a balanced view of Croydon. And I arrived for the recording of this week's episode uh, fully aware that my guests are keen promoters of the town. But I thought it might be a good idea not to allow my opinion to be entirely formed by their assertions. So we've decided to split this into a two-parter. In this week's show, I'll be talking to four people who have put together a heritage festival for Croydon. Next week, meanwhile, we'll be going out on the town and I'll be getting to see firsthand what Croydon is really all about. And it's, uh, well, it's quite a story. Two points of order to clear up before we head into the episode. One is, uh, if you're wondering where Croydon is, is it part of London? Well, that's a contentious question in itself. Geographically, it's located roughly midway between the Thames and the southernmost point of the M25. So by some reckonings, it's very much within the Greater London area. The other area of controversy which has followed on in a series of messages to and fro after we got the episode in the can was the accuracy or otherwise of various ideas about which film stars had used Croydon Airport. We seem to be on solid ground if we say that Charlie Chaplin and Rita Hayworth graced Croydon with their presence, albeit in transit. Anyway, brace yourself for a two-parter on a town in transition. It is Saturday the 20th of June 2015. I'm N. Quentin Wolfe and this is Londonist Out Loud. Hey baby, let me take you down to a place of strange sights and sound. You ain't never seen the light before, just a stone through from your front door. When I was told that I was coming to Croydon today, I think the environment in which I find myself was probably not what I had in mind. Uh, I think whenever Croydon is spoken of, it's in terms of 60s brutalist architecture and and shopping malls that seem to have upset people for for reasons I don't quite understand. By contrast, I am in an Elizabethan arms house. To be honest, it feels like we've time-travelled. We've come into a a courtyard. Uh, It looks as though a herb garden might have been cultivated here at one point, and we're now in a dark oak-panelled room with a boardroom table here. Uh, I'm surrounded by a crowd of people who know about Croydon and have got exciting things coming up in Croydon, 
I'm going to explain a little bit, I think, about who Archbishop Whipgift was and his importance in the area. He's lent his name to all sorts of things. The names of the people around me are Tom Smith. He is a volunteer coordinator of uh, Wandle Park, and he's working with local people, putting together a walking trail for Croydon Heritage Festival, which is uh, something we're going to be talking about here. Martin Corney is the CEO of the Whitgift Foundation. James Naylor is the editor-in-chief of the Croydon Citizen and founder of Croydon Walking Tours. And Catherine Shirley is the marketing and communications person here. Uh, we also have a crowd beyond, and Croydon is listening. Hello, you all. Hello. I wonder if we perhaps should start by saying something about the Heritage Festival. The Croydon Heritage Festival is basically put on by the Whitgift Foundation as a celebration and trying to um, show Croydon as the heritage-rich town it is and trying to get away from the idea of it being a relatively contemporary suburb and demonstrating that Croydon has a fascinating past. So I'm, I'm your target market here, and I? I've been given these false ideas of what Croydon represents. How have these ideas come to be the ones foremost in my mind? Um, I think mainly the development of Croydon in the post-war years was extremely de- aggressive. However, one thing I tell people that I go on walks with and some of the, the heritage promotion I do is that this aggressive development is unique. Nowhere else in the UK do you have such buildings in such a suburban setting other than Croydon. However, this and some of the modernist principles that Croydon was redeveloped on hasn't ever really been thoroughly promoted, hasn't ever really been explained. And during Croydon's redevelopment, it went from what was quite a nice Victorian town, a la something like Guildford, to this kind of high-rise sort of metropolis in a very quick, very aggressive and very forced sort of way. Yes, Hitler had something to do with uh, the planning here, didn't he? I don't think he was on the planning board at the time. (laughs) (laughs) There was an element of bombardment, but the biggest thing was that the fact that back in the 50s and 60s, um, the town planners had a lot of power and Croydon was one of the five development areas in London earmarked for kind of high-rise development. The the slightly unusual thing is that the other four never followed through with these plans. Croydon was basically, after the war, obviously London was heavily, heavily bombed, and the government got very, very anxious that all their eggs were literally in one basket. The idea of these five development areas was to spread things around. Croydon was the only one that really took up the baton on this, and boy, did they take up the baton. Well, we're going to be talking more, I'm sure, as we go on about development and the more modern uh, history of the area. I wonder if we could just um, set ourselves in time. I think to find out about Whitgift himself and his legacy, we have to go back uh, sort of five, six hundred years-ish. We can go f- uh, further back, though, than that. I don't know who'd want to come in on this, but I think the earliest mention of Croydon that uh, anybody's dug up was in about 980 or somewhere around there. A couple of Anglo-Saxons with uh, lots of vowels at one end of their name and consonants at the other end mentioned it in a will. Uh, the Doomsday Book mentions it. When did Cro- sort of start to turn into something of note, a, a, a centre of some sort. So that was really in the Middle Ages. So um, the Doomsday Book records Croydon's population being around 300 people, which actually for a settlement of the time is actually a quite considerable settlement already. And then the kind of the point at which Croydon really begins to sort of transform is when it becomes quite important because it becomes pretty much the principal summer residence of the Archbishops of Canterbury. And it is that way for, for 600 years. And this is actually partly where the Wigift Association, in fact entirely where the Wigift Association initially comes from, is uh, from this, this, this summer residence 
the Croydon Palace, which many people would be surprised to know is actually still completely extant, just around the corner from where we are now, and has elements of its architecture. I mean, it's incredibly rich architecture, dating from almost every period, but going all the way back to Norman times. So, um, uh, which again is, is a massive surprise to anyone coming into East Croydon and seeing a row of these modernist towers that uh, Tom's just been talking about. So, yeah, that's kind of when it really comes to prominence, and it was a really important market town and continued to grow throughout the sort of the Middle Ages into the into the into the 16th, 17th, 18th centuries. Um, so, um, indeed, Daniel Defoe wrote uh, that when he came through Croydon um, uh, in the early 18th century, that it was already probably the most significant market town he knew outside of London in the southeast. And that idea of commerce carries through there's no question about its prominence as a place to go and buy your stuff and in fact there's a new shopping center from what i gather that uh, may be landing on the doorstep at any moment could we say something about whitgift and his uh, how his name comes to be appended to so many things around here yeah as james said the archbishops used to reside at croydon palace and it was when John Whitgift spent time when he was Archbishop, he was enthroned in 1583 by Elizabeth I, he would spend quite a bit of time down at Croydon Palace and enjoyed his time in Croydon, liked the people of the town and wanted to put something back in to benefit the community. So being a fairly wealthy man, he bought some land and the first interest that he bought was here in right in the heart of the, the town, on the corner of North End and George Street, he bought a pub that was formerly called the, the Checker Inn and built these almshouses as they are now. Originally it was built as a hospital for the elderly and the sick and had 40 rooms. Now we provide sheltered accommodation for elderly people here at the almshouses. But this was the first... Um, sort of gift that he gave to Croydon to look after the elderly and sick. Then next door he had a, a schoolhouse built and employed a, a master to teach boys who would be able to get a good ed- education and then enable them to put something back into the town. So hence that's how his his vision then to care for the elderly and educate the young lives on over 400 years in time. So that's what the Whitgift Foundation is about now. Today we've got 3,000 children at our schools, Whitgift, Trinity and Old Palace, and we've got three care homes. So we're looking after over 100 elderly people in sheltered accommodation, residential and also full nursing care. So I think it's fantastic that, you know, 400 years on, we're still doing, um, you know, in line with that vision that he, that John Whitgift had and brought to Croydon. So, uh, and one of the things now that we find uh, with our land ownership, we actually own the freehold of the current Whitgift Centre. And interestingly, back in the 1960s, it was working with the foundation and the uh, local authority of the, the time a decision to demolish school buildings that were on the the land there and make way for a shopping centre, which was the first shopping centre of its kind in the UK. So it did break ground in uh, the 1960s. We're now 50-something years on, and it's now in need of redevelopment. 
the foundation work again we've been working with the local authority uh, seeking a developer and we're delighted that Westfield and Hammerson are coming to redevelop the shopping centre now um, and hopefully starting next year so it is a, a huge exciting time for Croydon and one of the things that the foundation decided a three years ago was to really not only look at the the excitement of the future and the regeneration of the town but also celebrate its rich history which I think a lot of people don't associate with Croydon but it has got fantastic history and heritage as, as we've just been sort of touching on earlier and hence the Heritage Festival came about to celebrate the past and also you know, the great buildings that we've got in the town and the organisations that operate in the town and try to bring them all together under one sort of festival. And that, that's, that's really where we are now with the, the festival. I've got two questions and they don't remotely connect to each other, so we're, we're going to have to take them entirely separately, I suspect. The 62 arrival of the, uh, the Whitgift Centre, yeah. why was that the first time that sort of thing had been done? Um, I think... Croydon must have sort of decided that um, they wanted to put the retail core in the heart here and it was designed as a a, a shopping precinct which connected um, various retail outlets with a, a large department store which was Alders which had been there previously and put it all under one one roof so it was the council of the day must have seen it as a, a useful sort of uh, opportunity to put the shopping, the retail offering, all together. Oh, right. Well, my, my my questions do connect then because that's uh, that kind of Russian dolls thing is going on here because the same sort of idea is happening uh, now with the Westfield. I, I wonder because uh, when I heard about the Westfield arriving, what, what's happened in other places? I think is that uh, so let's take Stratford for example. I think that the extant Stratford Mall, small M is regarded as uh, something lesser than the great new shiny Westfield. So to to what extent did you look at that and think, uh, no, that's not the way forward, a a new separate thing, let's work it all together? Well, I think interestingly, the the Stratford, the original um, shopping precinct that was in Stratford has actually seen um, significant growth, actually, since the the new development next door to it, actually, the the Westfield development. And certainly when they approached us uh, a few years ago, now to show an interest in Croydon as a development they can see that Croydon offers a fantastic um, opportunity obviously they've got West London at Shepherd's Bush uh, and their Stratford Centre so the south is a key destination and, and Croydon with its connection to London the capital in 15 minutes you can get a train into London Bridge or Victoria you've 15 minutes down to Gatwick um, and then down to the, to Brighton. So it's connectivity, also with the trams and the trains and the buses. It, it is seen as a fantastic destination for this development. And that, that appeal of Croydon and the, the benefits and its proximity to particularly the city is something I know that's been pushed since certainly Victorian times and the arrival of the railways. And the, the railways certainly seem to form an important part of the, the history of the area. Um, Catherine, if you were able uh, to avoid bringing somebody in by the train station... And, and I say this just because um, it, it could be a lovelier trip into the centre of Croydon from the train station. Where would you have somebody uh, pop up in order to first make a, a wonderful impression of what Croydon's really all about? 
Well, um, that's why we have developed the famous Croydon Walking Tour, because it takes in um, all of the wonderful uh, green spaces and architectural uh, features of Croydon. The tour takes you through Parkhill Park, which actually was um, once the site of the Conservatory of the Horniman, which is now in the Horniman Museum. The Horniman family had a, had a house there, and that conservatory, um, I think, I believe it, it was burnt down, um, yeah. and the conservatory was um, up sticks and, yep. and taken to Forest Hill. So the famous walking tour just it gives you really just wonderful nuggets of, of Croydon's history and heritage that you probably wouldn't appreciate. Um, it then takes you down to Wandle Park, um, which I think was... Uh, we've got beautiful images um, from the Victorian times when sort of ladies would uh, go on the lake with their boats, um, husbands taking them rowing, um, and then back up uh, to, obviously, the almshouses um, and to Croydon School of Art. Um, so although you might be arriving at East Croydon Station, you need to kind of explore Croydon much, much further and much more deeply to, uh, to really appreciate um, all of its uh, hidden gems. Speaking of hidden gems and rivers, there's an underground river, I think. That would be the River Wandle? That would be the River Wandle. And the River Wandle originally kind of came out by the Swan and Sugarloaf pub. And the Archbishop of Canterbury it basically used to feed his fish ponds before going down into the Thames. So it like basically flowed downhill into the Thames. Back in Tudor times, the River Wandle was both becoming quite industrial, because quite a lot of mills, but it also it was kind of the centre of a lot of like royal scandal because it's where Henry VIII used to, down in Beddington, Henry VIII used to romance his ladies down there. And Is it coincidence it's called Beddington? Um, probably not. <laughs> <laughs> the, 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 house in, the house in question, though, is called Carew Manor, so Beddington may be a coincidence. I you know, the River Wandle would have been a kind of Tudor power highway between you know, the Old Palace and Carew Manor, where you know, obviously Henry VIII did a lot of cavorting. So, um, again, I think for me, uh, probably the place that I would want someone to pop up would be by uh, the Croydon Palace, because it is this absolutely amazing building. It's grade one listed structure. Now, is, is this the uh, very gothic tower? Is this, is this the one we're thinking of? Uh, so it's, it's right by the Croydon Minster, which is sort of the mother church of the local area, but, uh, and, and, and is, is, is a minster because of Croydon's unusual connections to the Archbishop of Canterbury. Um, a kind of interesting historical fact here is that... Uh, Croydon was the last peculiar deanery in the country and a peculiar deanery is where you have uh, a parish that sits as an island away from a main diocese and actually until the 1980s Croydon was actually part of the Diocese of Canterbury not of the local local Southwark um, because of this kind of historic connection but it's because of this this long tradition where all sorts of things used to happen you know at, at the Croydon Palace so for example I believe that um, Henry III is supposed to have come for an incredibly boozy weekend where he worked his way his, he and his knights worked his way through 50 barrels of mead I think they're probably being a bit of a bunch of lads probably exaggerating a little bit there um, uh, you had um, obviously famously Elizabeth I dance with John Whitgift in the long gallery at, at the Croydon Palace as well um, Henry VIII actually didn't really like it um, so it's, it's interesting the mention of, of, of Kerry Manor because he really didn't like the Croydon Palace he thought it was a it was a sort of rather slightly dark place uh, that would make him feel rather rheumatic uh, not very good for his joints so uh, as a result he kind of uh, issued it himself um, but yeah the, the connection is very long I mean you're talking about um, a time when it was at its peak that uh, obviously the church was an incredibly powerful secular force as much as a spiritual one so you know all sorts of sort of um, famous royals of the time came to visit uh, other than in the nomenclature, Martin, is, is there still a religious element to 
the foundation? Well, it is based on a Christian foundation, obviously, but in, interesting what James was just saying about the connection. Uh, originally, to become a resident here at the almshouses, it is written in our charity scheme that you need to, be, to live either in the diocese or of Southwark or the county of Kent. And that's still a, a requirement now. And so there has always been this Kent connection. And I don't know if it was other archbishops or whether it was particularly John Whitgift, because I do think that he was the one that really recognised Croydon as a, you know, and, and wanted to do something to uh, leave his legacy, which very much lives on now. And I think he, when he visited um, Croydon, and he came down um, by barge on the River Wandle, and I think his entourage, there was about 300 people that would come to the town. So when Whitgift was in town, the Croydonians really knew knew he was here, and I think there were a lot of inns back then as well. And uh, worryingly, it sounds like there was a, a drinking in ethos to, to the town, which isn't, isn't present now, of course, but um, <laughs> there used to be a lot of inns in the centre of town which um, just filled up with the Whitgift... Uh, or the Archbishop's entourage. So when you think of the Archbishop of Canterbury and uh, putting forward Christian values, that doesn't sound like it, does it? No, I think I might have put a, a negative spin here, really. But uh, but I think back in those days, you know, it, it was like, you know, very sort of sociable. And that was, I think, one of the reasons why he enjoyed spending so much time here, because the people were, he enjoyed spending time with them and wanted to put something back for them. I always like the argument, uh, any historical drinking problem can be uh, argued away by saying it was, it was cleaner than the water. So, that, so that's why. Yeah, absolutely. We're going to pause for a break and get a word from our sponsor and be back in just a moment to talk more about heritage and celebrating it here in uh, Croydon. I think I'll be trying to get to the bottom of why some people seem so ready to sneer at Croydon, unlike some other places What's that all about? We'll find out. After a word from uh, our sponsor, Audible, and a reminder that Audible's got fantastic news for you if you have already signed up for the Audible audiobooks service through Londonist. More than 12 months ago, you can get a free audiobook, another free audiobook, on us. And uh, all you need to do is go to www.audible.co.uk forward slash Londonist. Here is a voice to tell you all about that. We have teamed up with audible.co.uk to offer you a free audiobook of your choice. All you have to do is register for one month free trial to claim your free audiobook. There are over 150,000 to choose from. The 30-day free trial means you can choose a free audiobook, which is yours to keep whether or not you decide to cancel in the trial period. And there's more good news. If you trialed the service over 12 months ago, the good people at Audible are giving you a chance to get your hands on another audiobook for free. So sign up at www.audible.co.uk forward slash Londonist. You're listening to Londonist Out Loud. I'm N. Quentin Wolfe and uh, I'm in Croydon. And with me, Tom Smith, who is a volunteer coordinator of Wandle Park, uh, Martin Corney, the CEO of the Whitgift Foundation, James Naylor, editor-in-chief of Croydon Citizen, founder of Croydon Walking Tours. Um, generally busy. We're going, to be, we're going to be out and about, I think, James. Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. 
Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous to your contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass? So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Shortly. And Catherine Shelley, marketing and communications. And well, in fact, perhaps, Catherine, it's to you first and foremost, I should direct the, the question about public perception of Croydon as fostered, I think, by ex-Croydonians. I really can't think of other places in London where you hear this quite so often. People bad-mouthing Croydon. Well, I think, you know, maybe, you know, people have moved away. But I think one thing I do want to highlight is um, now, if you sort of work in Croydon or you live in Croydon, the huge amount of... um, fantastic work done in the community to really sort of uh, boost Croydon's uh, perception and image. Um, there are groups all over the town who are doing um, fantastic work, whether that be organising their own festivals. We've got fantastic new community magazines like the Croydon Citizen. Um, we've got uh, Croydon Tech City, which is um, a movement bringing um, technology movements um, and businesses instant into the town um, and supporting them through to just a whole range of, of different initiatives to, to sort of galvanise um, community spirits. And I think, you know, that's really alive um, in Croydon today. So I think those people that, um, you know, have these perceptions or have uh, moved out should, should uh, really, you know, come back in and sort of see it for themselves. Come to the Croydon Heritage Festival um, and see what there is on offer. All right, so the reading I think I'm getting here then is Croydon seemed to have been historically in the ascendancy up until middle of the 20th century, something like A lot of people don't know about Croydon Airport, which was was London's airport until uh, around about 1950. Um, indeed it was. Um, it was, in fact, the world's first purpose-built international airport, no less. Um, and the place, uh, the birthplace of several kind of key um, innovations in aviation. So the invention of air traffic control, the world's first in-flight movie, uh, an actual projector set up in the back of a small plane, which I think is rather fantastic, Um, and even the Mayday distress call, for example, all of those invented um, here in Croydon. That that, that last one isn't one you really want to lay claim to, is it? Uh, I don't know. It's probably saved quite a few people, I suspect, at different different points. Um, But, um, yeah, yeah, very much London's main airport, and of course London's main airport from the 1920s to the 1950s, during that kind of golden era of kind of glamorous aviation. So, I mean, you know, Greta Garbo, Charlie Chaplin, basically pretty much every uh, famous Hollywood celebrity of the time that came to, that flew over to to the country, um, came through Croydon Airport. Um, In in fact, it was said that there were lots of uh, sort of young, wealthy men in their Whitehall clubs used to have races to see who could get to Croydon Airport fastest in their in their cars. I mean, it was, you know, it's sort of today, I think that kind of idea of it being this centre of kind of international glamour in that way were probably quite surprising to people now. Well, quite, quite so. OK, so with my thesis building here, then we've got, we go from this heyday of, of aviation. Clearly, lots of beautiful architecture and greenery had been here. And between then and now, when we've got this resurgence of uh, pride in the town heritage and and so forth being celebrated, um, this is suggesting to me that there must have been 10, 20, 30 years or something like that, a a generation perhaps of people growing up in an area which was less than inspiring the people who now have, have gone away and feel like that's what Croydon maybe still is um, and maybe the, the one of the big images that people will remember about Croydon and I don't know whether this is a, an awful thing to even bring up in the conversation but of course 
is Reeves Corner on, on fire a few years ago, which might have cemented that idea. How far off am I? How, did Croydon go through a bit of a, a dip? I mean, my experience coming to Croydon, I mean, I came to Croydon, you know, I started working in Croydon about four years ago. You know, just after the riots, I literally rode through the riots on my Vespa at one point because I got lost. Um, That's not a night to get lost, is it? Not really, no, but, you know, hey, made it exciting. Um, but the, the reaction that I've had working in Wandle Park, which is only 100 yards away from the Reeves Corner that you you describe has been absolutely exceptional um i've got young people who were would have been you know kind of teenagers at the time of the riots and they're organizing their own like skate jam and they've got like live bands coming they've got um you know sponsorship from major major skate skate firms and the 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 level of talent and goodwill and actual proactive community um willing to get out there and actually do something is quite frankly flabbergasting and to you know to you know taint all of Croydon with this kind of the riots sort of thing I think in some respects is quite unfair you know yes you had terrible terrible riots yes there were some very very memorable images that came out of it but I think over time you know Croydon there's a new generation of Croydonians coming through who actually are proactive who do want to make a difference who do kind of want to promote their local community. And I think um, also the brilliant thing about Croydon is, um, is its transport links. And, you know, I moved back to Croydon probably about three years ago. And, you know, for me, it's fantastic. I can be up in London in sort of 12, 15 minutes and I can be down at Brighton in, you know, about 40 minutes. So from that point of view, um, it's just transport links are excellent. Since you've brought that up, Croydon is also famous for being trammed up. Could we say something about that experience? Yeah, I mean, yeah, the trams are just absolutely, they make your life just so much easier. I mean, coming to work, you're just directly in, I think it's like 10 minutes sort of door to door for me. The local people love their trams and part of the Heritage Festival, just have to, um, we've got tram tours of the depot, just had to get that bit in. Um, But yes, um, trams are a, a, a unique to Croydon. I've lived in a town uh, in Europe that had trams and I've quite enjoyed it because they sneak up on you and I wondered if the same thing goes on in Croydon. Do you, do you get any warning when a, a tram is about to accost you from behind? Um, well, I mean, working uh, my, our office is just on George Street here with the uh, tram stop and, you know, you hear the, the ding bell, you know, you hear it throughout the town, I think, every Croydonian. Don't get in front of those trams. Those, you, know. you don't try and argue with a tram. I think that's just a fairly good general principle to follow. Um, I mean, yeah, it's an amazingly successful system. It's actually one that um, sort of experts in con- transport all over the world actually look to, particularly because, you know, it's already reached 30 million passengers a year. It's busier than Manchester's system, for example, um, and, you know, and was built really quite cost-effectively using kind of lots of old railway lines, for example. And, you know, there are people visit it all, all the time because it's such a, such a successful project I mean I just can't wait to see it kind of further extended really because I think it, it provides that kind of really valuable kind of that sort of orbital kind of route that, that often London lacks you know you've got all the tube lines train lines leading in if you need to get from sort of east to west you often have a problem not so in Croydon where the tram will sort of take you take you around really effectively so yeah absolutely brilliant project and I think a kind of when it, when it was devised just a really great kind of um symbol of I guess of, of kind of progressive values as well so I couldn't be more of a fan really 
And that comes across. And we're, we're going to talk in some depth about the festival and, and progress and in, in a spirit here of celebrating all that is good about Croydon. I want to, in a very positive way, ask my panel here, what area of Croydon needs attention? I think what's interesting and what I'm saying about the perceptions of the town, when the development here in the centre happened in the, the, the 1960s, Croydon in the 70s and 80, 80s and early 90s was a really happening place. It was a big employer, not only with retail but office, and there were a lot of professionals able to access the town and live in the local environs. Transport has always been easy for people of Croydon. And I think really it was the late 90s and to, uh, sort of 2000s that there was a, a decline, there was a, a lack of investment. We recognise that as an important thing to, to get moving and, and you know, getting a new developer to come and bring about another change. I think we're on a very exciting uh, cusp and brink of major regeneration of the town which will have very positive ramifications in all all manner of ways, not only for the physical buildings and the retail offering at the core of the centre, but there'll be a lot more leisure, a lot more places to sort of entertain, meet, socialise, as well as work and live. There is going to be a big sort of emphasis for more residential provision in the centre of town. There is uh, a great desire to encourage young people to live, work and play in the town do away with cars because it's got such a, a fantastic sort of transport infrastructure the whole scheme of this regeneration has got good backing not only from the, the, the sort of local authority but also from the GLA uh, and, and government wanting to see Croydon as almost London's sort of second city um, because of its its links and what it can offer. Is it, is, am I right campaigning for city status? There, there, are, it, there is talk about that, but Croydon is sort of being billed as Croydon London because it is a, a very sort of key area for, for development and regeneration. And I think for, we do need to shake off these perceptions that it's, it's not a nice place to live. You mentioned the, the riots. That didn't do, do Croydon any, any favour at all. But to be honest, I think you know, we need to put that in the past and look at what is coming. It's a very strong community, which, you know, that, that's again why uh, the foundation want to really sort of promote Croydon, get rid of this negative image that whoever sort of feels that, oh, it's Croydon and, you know... But actually there is so much to celebrate here in the town... For people of all ages, and and this is why, when Catherine and I were were talking about sort of the the possibility of this festival, we were overwhelmed when we started three years ago with the enthusiasm from local organisations and aspects of the community coming together to actually say, yeah, Croydon is worth shouting about. There's a lot lot of good going for it, and I think what we've tried to do with with the festival is bring those those people together and. You know, that's why we've got all of the sort of walks, talks, these old buildings open to the public, which people don't think they can access. I mean, like the almshouses here, people, you know, look through the gates and think, well, what is it? Is it a church? Is it a... Uh, they don't know its history. So to actually open it up on a few days of the year to the public, it's fantastic. And other areas like the Croydon Airport, the Town Hall... Um, all the different buildings that are made available through this festival. Uh, it's really not only to um, 
show the Croydonians um, some of this rich history, um, but also people from the wider area, from from London and, and further afield, to you know show there is a lot to celebrate at Croydon. So updating people's attitudes, that's your big... Yeah. That's the big challenge, right? What about you, James? If you have the magic wand, what's the next bit of Croydon that needs attention? Oh, that's a very good question. I think, for me, um, it's not so much about what needs attention. It's actually about making sure we don't lose what we already have, actually, in the next sort of ten years, because I think Croydon is in for an incredibly exciting decade. You're talking about, at the same time, the sort of top-level big regeneration projects like Westfield going on. You have this kind of, uh, you know, as Tom was talking about earlier, you have this upsurge in community activity as well. The fact that there are loads of people so engaged on a very grassroots level want to change things. You have a kind of emergent cultural scene as well, for example, with the emergence of Rise Gallery, for example, um, and uh, this, this project, which is this fantastic gallery, which, you know, has had the works of people like um, Damien Hurst, for example, Andy Warhol exhibited, and is and the the owner is actually building a st- a kind of street art gallery, He's trying to build like the largest street art gallery in London, all around it, where people are creating all sorts of art on shutters, on you know, or on a- any empty unit for retail units being turned into a, basically a painting. Um, and then at the same time, you have the, the technology growth as well, the return of corporates that want to sign here again for offices. I mean, you know, all and this this residential boom, the construction of these sort of residential skyscrapers, I and mean, it's looking pretty amazing on every level. Actually, if you were to just do a, a ruthless objective analysis that was not tinged by by traditional kind of negative perceptions of Croydon, you would say this place is about to become very exciting indeed. The risk I see, actually, is that in a sudden, sudden, incredible growth spurt of this retail boom, office boom, residential boom, actually we could end up losing some of the things that make Croydon quite dynamic. I mean, part of the things that may, for example, make it a great place to start a small business or a small technology company is because, you know, the office space is very cheap and it's very reasonable. Um, It's the fact that it has this wonderful community atmosphere. And I'd hate to think that in the end, in in a wonderfully or kind of awful, rather, I guess, ironic reversal of fortune its very wealth could end up um, excluding some of the people that made it a great place to be so that that would be my principal fear so but i think as long as we can we can keep a close eye on that one i think we're in, in for an incredibly exciting time indeed tom is nodding sagely Yes, I mean, I'd just like to kind of expand on what James has said. I mean, I think what Croydon needs to kind of focus on, Croydon is the youngest borough in London. The average age of Croydon is younger than anywhere else in London. Croydon really needs to focus on the next generation of people coming through, ensuring that they feel welcome you know being community activists being getting involved in community projects you know really engaging at the moment yes we have got this group of people in Croydon that are very very you know taking things forward it's expanding that offer to young people to make them feel like yes you know what we have a stake in these skyscrapers we have a stake in this retail retail development we have a stake in these office buildings it's ours and I think you know, young people really, really need to be kind of um, be kind of brought on board and you know develop the offer to them. So again, fostering community is at the heart of what you're saying there, Catherine. Um, yeah, just sort of I'm bringing it back to the to the Heritage Festival. Um, we've got a, an event on the 27th of June on Saturday with uh, young people in the town um, to come along. We're asking young people to come along and to put their views forward about the future of Croydon, what they'd like. Um, it's called If I Rule the World um, with Speakers Corner Croydon and Time Won't Wait. Time Won't Wait and young people have been given the floor in North End um, to talk about about the future and what they want for the town. So that's a, a good thing to, uh, for them to come along to. 
Uh, so rather than me asking, you'll, you'll be finding out from uh, the people who've got to live in it. Absolutely. Yes, definitely. Um, I think, as, as Tom said, I think that's, you know, it's the most important thing to get their views. Um, and, um, you know, the Heritage Festival is, is not just about, you know, history and heritage. It is about looking to the future as well and getting young people on board. What sort of thing uh, might you expect might be on their uh, list of things to think about? Um, I think, you know, I think anything from sort of transport, crime, safety, um, environment, leisure, all those sort of basic topics. Everything, everything, basically. (laughs) Just can we improve everything, please, (laughs) just as anywhere else. Um, What about the the festival? Let's finish off by unpacking that a little bit and talking about some of those um, events and uh, walks and so forth that are are going on there. How did the festival come about in the first place? Well, it was really to actually recognise the heritage the town holds and that people don't really associate with Croydon um, as you started at the beginning of the interview you had a different sort of perception of Croydon hopefully we're working on you now to transform I'm, I'm, a, I'm a changed man yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so we wanted to actually raise the profile of the town look at the not only the sort of the fantastic buildings that we've got around but also places like Surrey Street Old Town which is really the heart of Croydon um, open up some of the buildings that wouldn't normally be open like we've mentioned Croydon Palace um, which now is part of one of the foundation schools Old Palace Um, so that's um, available for tours although I think they may be already booked up but the almshouses the Croydon Airport there's various exhibitions and open houses also the activities on the launch day or next Saturday the 20th um, North End will be a buzz with activities. We've got various street entertainment and a stage with various performances of all ages. And we've engaged with various organisations celebrating the sort of multicultural dynamic of, of the town. So there's an awful lot to go on on the Saturday. And then the following week, there's various other exhibitions, walks, talks and We've got booklets that we've produced, but the main source of information that to sort of signpost you to would be the Gordon Heritage Festival website, uh, which has got the whole breakdown of the programme of events and who's involved, the organisations and indeed our key sponsors, who the Croydon Partnership, which is the Westfield Hammerson Group, uh, Mott MacDonald, Handels Banken and Styles Harold Williams. They've all sponsored and contributed to the the foundation sort of cost of putting this all together. Uh, So we're very grateful for that ongoing support. But it it sounds as though alongside fairly big stuff and very well-planned stuff, there's also going to be a lot going on on the the street and wander around and you will be amused. Yeah, absolutely. And, And that's what it's about. It's really engaging with people of all ages. Whether people are Croydonians and they live in the, the heart of the town or around or drawing from, from further afield and come and have a look at Croydon in its, uh, in its glory. It's not only looking at the, the past but also the future and also the great people. Uh, this year's emphasis on the famous people of the town who have come from Croydon. Marilyn Munro used to fly in and out of Croydon Airport. I for a second um, you were going to claim Marilyn Monroe came from Croydon. She's not one of our residents here, unfortunately. But, you know, the various famous people that have come from the, the town who perhaps people uh, don't realise. I mean, 
The do, do, do you know what I think I'm going to do? I'm going to leave that as a as a tease. We're going to be going on a, a little bit of a wander around, I think, with okay. James, and I'm, I'm going to make my first question to him, uh, who do we know from Croydon? Okay. But we have to, unfortunately, start uh, tying off here. If there's one event or one moment in what is to come in the celebrations, very briefly, what would you, Tom, pick out? I would pick out the things that I'm doing, obviously, because they're brilliant. Um, I'm doing some heritage walks on the Sunday and the Saturday and Sunday, looking at the town centre looking at the industrial heritage of Croydon so the Trojan car factory the airport um, the old television factory and most importantly Croydon B power station and on then there's a pumping station as well of, of some repute isn't there I'm sure James will show you the pumping well, station to see a pumping station good <laughs> but Croydon B power station used to be the largest brick built building in Europe a lot of first in Croydon I think I'm gathering Catherine uh, there's a Croydon heritage exhibition taking place in the Whitgift Centre from the 20th to the 28th of June and also the shopping centre is going to be transformed into a Hollywood Walk of Fame with all the famous uh, people who have visited the Wicked Centre over the past sort of 40, 50 years I mean for me it's, it's a, such a difficult question precisely because there's just so much going on I mean one of the things that I really like about how the Heritage Festival has been organised is the fact that there's like just loads of different community groups local history groups doing all sorts of interesting talks on all sorts of various subjects Subjects. There's, I mean there's this amazing kind of black, black and minority ethnic history for example that's, that's being covered quite extensively but I think the single event I think is that is the most interesting is actually the one that Catherine mentioned earlier about the event about what what you would like Croydon to be in the future because I think this is about celebrating uh, Croydon's past in order to say this isn't just some dead past history this is the amazing potential this town has always had what's therefore what's in store and I think it's then connecting that to the future so I think that one would be my pick. And uh, as James and I don our fedoras and head out into the town, it's a time, uh, I'm afraid to say goodbye to three of our guests, Tom Smith, Martin Corney and Catherine Shirley. Thanks very much. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. My heart aches for some far and that's all for this week. My thanks for this week to Catherine Shirley, Tom Smith, James Naylor and Martin Corney. Thanks too to Chris Baker, Mark Barr and Bernie Barkley. Theme and incidental music was by Songs from the Howling Sea. I'm Anne Quentin Wolfe. Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. 
Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive set of offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models in dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark.